What's good, everyone? Welcome back to My First Kicks. This is episode 161, and this week I welcome Nick DePaula to the podcast. Now, if you are not familiar with Nick DePaula, he is one of the best. I, I, I cannot stress this enough. The best sneaker journalist, probably top five all time i don't know but it's wild that i was able to get him on here shout out to trey former guest trayvon he was able to to put this together and it's absolutely wild that i was able to get him on we talk about so much basketball sneakers you could i nerd out we both i it was absolutely wild while recording this because it felt like i could nerd out to the umph degree so i'm very excited for y'all to listen to this big announcement in a couple of weeks i will have my first in studio episode i have the guest book we're recording it this week and it's going to be an amazing time i'm very excited to see and hear feedback from that episode also Next week, I will be dropping a new kick talk with two special guests and just trying to keep this momentum going. Look, Nick DePaul is on. This is a hell of an episode. I'm very excited. Nick DePaul is a, I want to say, a big fish in my, you know, my list. And as you know, and if you follow me on Twitter, please follow the Twitter. I had said four big guests and in my opinion Nick DePaula is one I mean he's interviewed people such as Damian Lillard Marcus Cousins PJ Tucker Kevin Garnett Kobe come on man it's wild so let's just jump into the episode onto where you can find Nick you can find him at Nick DePaula that's N-I-C-K-D-E-P-A-U-L-A also, check out his stuff on Boardroom, especially his sneaker game newsletter. You're going to see it in the description of this podcast, so make sure you subscribe. You know, I'm subscribed. We definitely talk about a lot of Anthony Edwards on this one, and he talked about the Anthony Edwards AE1 on that newsletter. Very knowledgeable. You get a lot of information. And you know where to find me. I am who is Haas on all social medias follow the podcast of my first kicks pod follow the podcast on tiktok at my first kicks i'm back to posting to tiktoks i i'm so back and forth whenever i do an intro but i've been doing these i guess think sneaker thoughts my sneaker thoughts and i'm just posting them zero effort i just want to get some more stuff off my brain especially when it comes to sneakers and especially when I'm doing work in sneakers now, so I'm viewing and looking at everything. So I just have thoughts here and there. And you'll get them on TikTok. You'll get them on IG, my first six pod, as I said. Look, I'm trying to get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. So please, if you're not watching this on YouTube right now, and if you're listening to this, please jump right on to youtube look up my first kicks hit up the link tree in the description it's all there everything is there 
I'll have a link to this specific video that if you're listening to, you can switch over and watch me and Nick DePaul talk. So on to this week's episode with Nick DePaula. Hey, Nick, welcome to the podcast. Of course, man. Thanks for having me on. No, nah, man, this is a gigantic honor. Uh, shout out to Trayvon for making this happen because you were on this, like, I have a list of people I di- I'm absolutely dying to get, and you've been on that list. And so you're one of, like, my big, one of my big fishes, I like to call you. You're, like, with Russ, you're with uh, Jacques Slade, you know, all those people. No, those are some great names, and I always joke. I love doing stuff like this, and having said that, I put you through some hoops the last two weeks to make it work, so I appreciate you. I mean, I was, I was not going to talk about it, but yes, you, you sure you did. With me, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, look, it's the nature of the business, as, as everybody says in entertainment, you know, it's when you get busy, somebody gets busy, you got to roll with the punches. I always roll with the punches and podcasting. You're doing this as a, a favor for me uh, and a favor for Trayvon, I, w- I believe. But, uh, you know, you're doing this as a as a favor, in, in my opinion. And uh, I appreciate you just being here. No, for sure. And I always there's two phrases I always use. One is busy is good. So sometimes things mm-hmm. comes up and that's part of it. And then I always tell my mom, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> so you gotta be you gotta be ready to be flexible and ready to roll you know so no no worries at all <laughs> i mean look i'm pretty sure everybody knows who you are but for people who aren't familiar with you how about you introduce yourself yeah i'm, I'm nick DePaul. i grew up in sacramento california i like to think i'm just somebody that likes shoes a lot but i've been lucky to sort of uh build it beyond just liking shoes as a 10 year old and been able to write about the shoe industry all this time since so um, you know, I was at Soul Collector Magazine for eight years, uh, spent mm-hmm. some time with the great guys over at Nice Kicks as well, uh, spent the last six years at ESPN and now really building something exciting and special at Boardroom with uh, my own newsletter, The Sneaker Game, which you can subscribe mm-hmm. to and uh, just really trying to break down the business of, of the sneaker industry. So um, I'm, I'm based here in Portland, which is really strategic because Nike and Adidas and Under Armour all have offices here. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been a it's been a fun little ride so far. No, yeah, you're you're an absolute legend in my eyes, and and because I'm always been a big fan of just basketball sneakers overall. I mean, to me, basketball sneakers are such a big gateway into sneaker culture. But basketball sneakers are something that, especially when you were writing in the heyday of like the LeBrons, the KDs, and the Kyries were going crazy. You know, I think that like basketball sneakers were always just a part of just everyday wear and the functionality of like when you would go to school, you'd be like, Oh, I get to play ball after. And I got to wear my, you know, I got to wear my, my air flight 95s to, to school, you know? Yeah. And that so, was, yeah. that was how it was. I'm, I'm glad you said the heyday. Cause you're, you're probably referencing the 2008 to 2014 run, right? Where like, mm-hmm. yeah, to me, that was such a great time for Nike. Cause they had LeBron and KD and Kobe just really on fire. And then Kyrie and PG were right after. So it was fun. And then for me, like it was the mid '90s that I grew up in, so you know you did have like your Deion Sanders, your Bo Jackson, your Ken Griffey shoes that were you know, mm-hmm. cross training shoes, basically that were great shoes. But like you said, it always comes back to basketball for me because you're able to buy the exact same shoe that the player is wearing. You know they're playing in cleats in the NFL and in baseball, and basketball is the one shoe that hopefully transcends all the touch points of style music fashion technology design like there's just so much that goes into it 
Um, and that's to me what makes it so much more of a emotional connection you could have with, with shoes you grew up wanting to get, shoes you couldn't get growing up, um, and then shoes hopefully that you're able to get your hands on that some of your favorite players wore. No, yeah. The 90s basketball, bas- I always say 90s basketball sneakers are undefeated, in my opinion. You know, it, it, Nike and other brands like Adidas were taking chances with what they're trying to do in, ter- in terms of getting into the basketball space. And it was all about functionality and how do you make functionality look cool. And I and I always thought, you know, especially like going into the 2000s, I mean, one of my favorite basketball sneakers, and we I talked about it and I wanted to come back, you know, are the Hyperfly 2s. Um, the 2s. <laughs> the 2s, yeah. Oh, the one with the bubbles on the side. I know, I know. <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm going to tell you a quick story because I was dying when uh-huh. I saw your shirt. So this was the first shoe I bought uh, with my summer job money. Mm-hmm. And it was the red hyperflights. Oh. And all my teammates <laughs> here, lean back a little. All my teammates called me Dorothy. <laughs> all my teammates called me Dorothy. And that was the funniest thing ever to me. Cause I, I mean, I was wearing these cause Jason Williams wore these in Sacramento. You mm-hmm. know, he had the purple pair, of course. Um, I went to McClatchy high school in SAC, which was red, but, um, so I wanted to get the red. This was this was a long time ago before you know you couldn't you didn't have to match your school colors. Yeah, uh, so long before the color rules. But back then, of course, your coach would be on your head if you didn't if you didn't match. I mean, my my coach had the white and red toe questions, which was fun for us too, because he was kind of mm-hmm. into he was an older dude and like he was probably late fifties white guy, but he thought those were fresh. So that was his shoe. <laughs> he loved he just liked AI, but but to me, like this was this was a big shoe for me growing up. Um, and it was just funny that you're wearing the shirt because they were like, there was a dude named Ben who was a year older than me. He was just calling me Dorothy all the time in practice because, you know, back then the Hyperflight was kind of, it seems basic now to just have a shoe in all one color. But mm-hmm. um, back then, especially with, you know, I think they had seven or eight colorways in that original, you know, campaign ad where they're dipping the, shoe yeah. in the paint and it's talking about just how flooded the colors are. That was, that was an innovation in itself, which was crazy to think about now, but kind of spoke to the time and then you know you fast forward another year to the hyperflight too and like you're talking about you got the lenticular panel on the side and it was mm-hmm. that much more crazy you know so uh so that, that's that's why yeah i, I want to say like that's why i wanted those hyperflight twos i got them back when like they first dropped it was like the biggest purchase i could get my mom to make me at the time and it had that weird, crazy. I was like, "This is sick!" The Hyperflight too. Like everybody was rocking the Kevin Garnett stuff. Yep. And the Kevin Garnett joints, and which I forget. Flight Posit threes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Flight Posit threes. And so when I was like, "I'm, I'm big on. I'm gonna be different. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be different, right?" And I t- we went to Foot Locker. I saw the Flight Posit threes, and I was like, "Everybody got those, the blue joints. Let me get." the hyperflight twos with the whole like the whole weird stuff on the side looking like you know an alien so i have uh <laughs> i just got a brand new pair of silver ones mm. but i'm terrified to wear them because they're just going to crease like crazy and <laughs> yeah you know the hyper like, like this red pair i actually wore these uh i know the date it was january 10th of 2020 because it was actually a birthday party for trey who helped to mm-hmm. put this together and we had a 2003 party, and uh, the next day I was looking at them, and the whole toe was like cracking and creasing. They just—it's an OG pair, yeah. like you had like an old this pair. This red pair right here, yeah. So they just, you know, they had better times, and then. Uh, I mean, it's like I don't know. It's like patent leather material. I don't know what, what yeah, kind of material is that. I see it like this little, you know, this little crack right here, 
yeah where it was cracking on me but you know it was a fun night but but yeah those those to me like that hyperflight in particular was a fun shoe and then i'll have to text you a photo of uh i actually have a sample hyperflight mm-hmm. and the whole shoe is that material is like that limit. that's crazy yeah they're nuts that like weird i don't even i thought i when, when i first pressed on it or whatever i thought it was like gonna move around yeah oh, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> i thought it was gonna be like one of those like weird moving around things and and it didn't do anything but i was still like i gotta and i, I used to play ball in them it was yeah we would they were not i don't know if they were great great for ball I know nike would opinion. call it lenticular but we didn't i mean we didn't really call it with the tech we didn't know the technical terms mm-hmm. so we were calling them like the bug eyes or yeah, like that we didn't, you know. But that was a fun shoe because that was also like, that was when Battlegrounds was launching, so they had the platinum yes. deposits as well. And mm-hmm. you know, that's one of those team bank shoes that like I remember Maryland was wearing, and it was just a cool shoe. Like it was funny because I, uh, you know, I've, I've heard PJ Tucker say like that's one of the shoes he's still trying to track down because they're hard, they're just hard to find, and I don't know if they yeah. ever get retroed. Like there's certain shoes that as much as we might want them to. You know they they'll probably stick to more foam posits and not the flight posit mm-hmm. three. But um, no, yeah, the flight posit three was definitely. I I definitely think it was a hot hard sell because I bought them maybe three weeks after they released or something like that. Like it wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't like flying off the yeah, shelves oh, like yeah. the the flight posit threes. I mean, it's so. from. I mean, each each one like foam posit, flight posit, flight posit two, and flight posit three. Like it was dipping almost each year in terms of sales. <laughs> going down. Actually, so. I, I thought all of them are great in the ultra posit too, but yeah, they were kind of, you could tell it was kind of running its course. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, well let's let let's, let's hard pivot right into sure. the question and the question that I ask everybody each week on the, everybody each week on this podcast. I don't know why I wanted to say that, but, uh, and that question is what's your first kicks? What's that first pair of sneakers you absolutely needed to have, man. So growing up in Sacramento, um, I've told this story a few times, but I had a, my mom had a budget for me. So I had, mm-hmm. it was $40 in middle elementary school and then 50 in high school. So the shoe I wanted was the zoom flight 95. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Kidd was wearing them. He was from the Bay area. Like I grew up in Sac, mm-hmm. so it was like an hour and a half away. Um, he was on the Mavericks at the time. And I just loved, like, I loved tall point guards that had flashy passes. So like, Mm-hmm. You know, Jason Kidd and Penny Hardaway were my first two favorites. Of course, Jason Williams a couple years later. But, um, you know, I couldn't get the Zoom Flight 95s because of the price. I believe they were either 110 or 125 at the time, which mm-hmm. anything over 100 I knew was out of the qu- out of the question. So <laughs> it, it could have been, you know, 150, whatever. It was like, all right, I'm not going to ask. Yeah. So, like, Penny 2s I really wanted, and I just knew not to even ask. But then I was looking at Mitch Richmond, who I really liked, and he was one of my favorite players growing up because he was on the Kings. And he was wearing the Thrill Flight, which was like the take, what's called the takedown version of the Zoom Flight. Yeah. And that shoe was, I believe, $85 retail, mm-hmm. which was still too high. Right. So finally they were on sale. I'm, I specifically remember this. They were on sale for $58 at JCPenney. Mm-hmm. I had to mow the lawn for like a month to get my 18 bucks up yeah and, and then one day we went down to jc penny and i got thrill flights and it was uh i was a size nine and a half at the time i was in fifth grade it was mm-hmm. the black pair with the white contrast stitch and the gold accents which was the exact one that mitch was wearing so even though i wanted the j kids at first and that's the shoe that like got me into shoes i say a lot of times and that's the shoe that mm-hmm. made me realize like whoa what's going on with these because they were just so futuristic i mean even yeah they were you know 25 years later they still are you know but 
but uh the thrill flight was still like the shoe i just cherished getting because it was still a shoe that mitch was wearing um they had the they had the bubbles on the side but not they weren't molded like on the zoom flights but it was right still, yeah like, a, they were like uh, embossed yeah exactly yeah. and then um it's funny talking about flight posit threes because you know aaron cooper designed those and um i've been a fan of coop's designs for a long time i think he's you know one of the three four or five greatest shoe designers that ever lived which i agree i know is high praise he was kind of bugging out when i said that i was like no nah, man like you really are and um i was tell I, I forget he said something about what was your first shoe and i told him like that's the first shoe i ever designed <laughs> that's crazy Nuts. you know it's funny yeah. it's it's because i'm about to read his instagram post yeah on so this. he did a whole uh, story listeners. about him recently which was awesome to hear the process mm -hmm. you know i was in a whole nother world as a 10 year old at the time and i was just getting my hands on him for the first time mm -hmm. all right so here we go here's a little bit of just a little bit of background and some information for the listeners here uh so the air thrill flights are did you know nike's first Footwear intern designed the Air Thrill Flight, uh, and that is Aaron A.C. Cooper. What? No, wait. The background. Uh, Araya, no, wait. No, no. Here we go. Here we go. I just wanted to talk about the design features. Yeah. Uh, there is no more thoughtful attention to foams and textile synthetics and Eva density for better fit and comfort. Expressive midsole that families with the zoom 95 binded edges and deco stitching for color pops and high trail midfoot plate for a sculpted look with stable performance which is like i mean i don't know this is like i mean we're, yeah. we're in 2024 he designed the shoe in 1994 exactly like how crazy 20 years so like back, 30 years I've, later um so i brought like you know, so this was the Zoom Flight 95, right? Right. So this is the molded and the carbon fiber and Eric Avard mm -hmm. did these and like this, this shoe is insane. And then you have the Thrill Flight, you know, which still has the spheres on it. But like, like Coop was saying, like you got the molded swoosh, mm -hmm. kind of have like this cool, like it's not carbon fiber, but it's got this cool molding texture to it. And like mm -hmm. for $85 at that time, like this shoe was, was fresh. And then, you know, Nike did a really good job too, because you had... You know, Gary Payton was probably most known for wearing these. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, Gary Payton. His pair was uh, all white with green accents and black piping. Right. This was the color that Reggie Miller wore. And then mm -hmm. uh, Mitch wore the black pair. So you had like three of the best guards that all became Hall of Famers. You know, they were all wearing the thrill flight. So it wasn't looked, like, it wasn't looked at like it was some cheap shoe or some lower tier version that like wasn't cool. Like they still right. had like high level guys wearing it. But I think that just speaks too to like, you know coop's ability as a designer at the time to like you know take take what avar had started and then just build a version that you know a 10 year old could still be you know feeling feeling good about himself if they got their hands on those at jc penny you know so yeah was, for real. i mean it's it's still wild because the the i mean everybody talks about gary payton's like sneaker pathway you know mm -hmm. like until till you get to the glove and then son of glove and then yeah. you know you get you get there but this being one of the first shoes that he was he was wearing as a nike athlete is still crazy um yeah and i want to say but, he wore those going yeah. into the you know that was the year they played the bulls in the finals mm -hmm. you know so it was a it was a cool time because you just had like gp at the top of his game 
taking that shoe to the heights it did. And then, uh, you know, obviously Jay Kidd was, was playing crazy ball at that time too. So for me being 10, you know, it's fun thinking back to your first shoes, but it just kind of like, it goes to show like how connected you get to a pair of shoes and then how much that opens the world to like what else is out there. And you start looking at, you know, Penny two the following season mm-hmm. and zoom flight fives and the gloves, like you said, and it's just like creates this pipeline of excitement of like, you want, there's certain players you want to follow. You know, I didn't know who Eric Avar and Aaron Cooper were, but like mm-hmm. three years later, I saw them in the first issue of kicks magazine. And all of a sudden I'm like, all right, I need to know like what these guys are up to. Cause I was just, yeah, just blown away by what they were creating. So, um, I, were you, were you always an inquisitive, like kid or person? Yeah, I was. Cause I, I was so, I was so into basketball. You know, I, I played a bunch of other sports too, but it wasn't even close to like how much I followed the league in terms of the NBA. Um, and that was just such a fun time because you had, of course, the Bulls were on their three-peat, you know, starting their second three-peat run, but you just had all these new guys too coming in between, you know, Jay Kidd and Penny and Grant Hill even, and uh, Kobe was in that same chapter, you know, the whole 96 draft class and, you know, Kevin Garnett the year before, like that 95, 96, you know, window was just like, you had like- Don't forget Marbury. Yeah, you, had, you know, like literally you got, you got probably like, you know, 12 Hall of Fame guys in a two-year span. Mm-hmm. all have big personalities and then you know the fun thing about the mid 90s too is like a couple were at adidas a couple were at fila a couple were at reebok mm-hmm. like it was really balanced you know you had guys at every brand so um you know growing up i was following every single brand i wasn't just somebody that just grew up with nike like of course the thrill flight was the first show i wanted but mm-hmm. um you know i wanted the answer ones the year after that i wanted the kamikaze twos and you know all that kind of stuff so it was a super fun time to be coming up because uh, it made you just be open-minded, you know? So I was ever since then kind of with that foundation, I've always just been excited to see, you know, what's everybody got going on and and see where that could take them. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting to see that and learn that because we definitely are in this realm of everybody's kind of wearing the same stuff all the time, you know, or, or in the 2000s i think brand loyalty was such a like a big thing mm-hmm. you know where oh you had to be like oh okay, i'm dripped out in echo and i had to be dripped out in, or else you weren't relevant yeah. and that that like expanded beyond that now it's a the fashion's fashion side and streetwear side it's so like intertwined of just like you can rock whatever but you still have brand loyalists when it comes to sneakers and i think that it's i don't know if I don't know if that's like generation passed down or if that's just great marketing, but you can definitely see that like in the nineties that it was, everybody was trying something new, you know, like I think that that was, that spread out into, you know, basketball too, because then you have and one popping up and then you have people trying like, you know, to to take street ball somewhere, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And each, each brand, that was the best part. Like each brand had its own little like design style, their own technology. Like they really had a unique point of view. Like the feet you wear stuff didn't look anything like the zoom stuff, which didn't look anything like what AI was doing with Reebok. So it was kind of a fun time because everybody was like real distinct. But I think Mm -hmm. if you look at like, I mean, shit, it's been, you know, 25 years since then, almost 30. But if you look at like the mm-hmm. chapters in like sort of like five to 10 year chapters, like, you know, the the 2000s, Nike was just so dominant as they got to the end of the decade at like 08 with like the Hyperdunk and LeBron 7 and KD4 was taken off, you know, shortly after. Like they just, Nike mm-hmm. was on fire with some of the signatures they had. 
and they were just pushing the envelope in terms of innovation too. And then, you know, that was kind of when Adidas was in a tough patch, you know, D Rose was hurt, unfortunately, and the Dwight Dwight shoes were kind of trailing off. And so Mm -hmm. you didn't have, I mean, Steph hadn't signed with Under Armour yet and LaMelo obviously with, with Puma and New Balance wasn't in the mix. So, you know, there was just not a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Now there's like I think it's coming back to that balance, you know. I would say the, oh, last, the last the last year alone, I mean I I've just been and I'm I'm always really paying attention to what the Chinese brands have going on and like mm-hmm. like Leaning has been putting out some crazy stuff, some really good mm-hmm. design. Anta has been doing Anta some stuff, stuff with Clay has been really impressive, and I'm I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see what uh what Kyrie's able to build over there. I think they have a good mm-hmm. opportunity to to really like put out some impressive stuff that I think is going to catch people off guard, like how deep the storytelling and the, and the effort into it is. Um, so to me, that makes it fun. Cause if, if you got like, you know, four or five brands in the mid nineties hitting on all cylinders, that's going to push, you know, obviously the top dog being Nike, that's going to push Nike to put out even better stuff. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And then we'll get, we're, you know, seeing that right now. Yeah. I think especially one thing that I I always love is just technology in in basketball sneakers, because as a brand figures out like, oh, this is the next thing that's going to make, you know, your take your game to the next level, per se, you know, then the other brands find that and be like, okay, we got to find our equivalent or make something better. Mm -hmm. And so it just continues to push everybody forward. I mean, during the flight, like the the flight during the era of the hyperdunk. It was like everybody was trying. Okay, Adidas was coming out with boost sneakers to to figure out how to you know you know create you know comfort on the other side. Like they'll everybody, all the brands try to find a way to get into that lane of like let's make more um, comfortable or let's make more enhancements to our designs. And I think that that pushes everybody forward. Oh yeah, and I think it's like sometimes it doesn't have to be a whole category either. Like I think one shoe. Like if you look at like. If you look specifically at like the black and white Anthony Edwards new signature, the AE ones, like that mm-hmm. that one shoe for 120 bucks with like full length boost and just how sleek and cool it looks, like mm-hmm. that one shoe could push Nike to be like, hey, we gotta, you know, we gotta bring Giannis and and Jaw and Book like to another level because maybe what we had, you know, we gotta go go another level. So I think that's where it gets fun because, you know, I've always been like in this neutral position, just following everybody since literally I was 10 years old. I never, mm-hmm. you know, um, I never really sway too far as one, you know, a fan of one brand. And, and I love to see when everybody's, you know, got something cooking and has some excitement going. So to me, like seeing that Ant-Man shoe, I was like, oh, that Ant-Man, yo, that AE1 AD, is so fire. Like, We've got something here to the point where it's mm-hmm. like, it's going to make people uncomfortable with knowing they got to now up their game a little bit. And, you know, Adidas, I don't, you know, they've had probably what five or six signature lines for the last you know five years here with with james and dame and donovan and trey young as well but um you know none none of them were quite in that tier of the ant one you know so so now i think it's gonna really i and especially like you see his personality like i was actually at the blazers t wolves game last night Mm -hmm. i think he had 42 you know and it's like he wants to be like aggressive and hostile and like going right at everybody too and like yeah. You know, he was I think he did an interview where they were like, How do you how do you like your shoe? And he was like, Oh, it's the best signature shoe in the league. Yeah, Honestly, I love like, that. If somebody is that prideful about it and, and, and the shoe is that good, which I think it is, then then that puts everybody on notice and that's that's when we get some real fun times in the industry. Yeah, I mean, uh Trey was talking about it recently, like, oh, he missed the the a the era of like basketball players talking shit. 
Yeah, and like, and I was like, I mean, look, look, I mean, there we have moments. You have Randall giving the thumbs down to the crowd, <laughs> you know, like you, <laughs> Knicks fan, you probably don't want it that way, but yeah, you know, it's like I think there's two guys in particular. Like, as much as I love Shea and his game, you know, he's yeah. obviously a little more on the quiet side on the court. But when you yeah. look at when you look at Anthony Edwards and you look at Wemby, like regardless of how talented they are, which obviously they are, like their ability to make other people compete and go at them is I think what's, what's really special. So you're seeing like, like Giannis is looking at Wemby, like, all right, like, what's up? Like, let's have a game going like that. That Uh doesn't necessarily happen every night. So, and same, same for Anthony Edwards. So I think that piece of it, um, you know, in terms of how those guys are marketable, like that's going to be a big component of it. Cause if they're able to raise the stakes, I think a lot of, you know, I don't want to say any names, but like some players probably get flack for, being too buddy buddy with other players and people yeah. question how comp- I'm like, of course it's competitive. These guys are <laughs> these guys are killers at the end of the day. But like when you really can yeah. see it, you know, watching a Tuesday night game against, you know, Wemby or Anthony Edwards, you know, you can see Wemby and Chet like they really don't like each other. They're really going at each mm-hmm. other for that. That yo, I love that rivalry. Yeah. I mean, that I I'm so excited to see how far that goes because that's what we're gonna get for the next ten years, you know? So yeah. like uh I want to see how much they hate each other. And like, that's where, (laughs) you know, when you think about like how that inspires kids in terms of shoes and marketing, like that's the stuff that goes into the personality of what it means to be, you know, impactful moving some shoes. So um, I I think, and I'm always biased because I think NBA is the best sport in the world, but you know, I think right now with all the different brands in the mix and then this new wave of guys coming in, you know, we didn't even mention like Luca and Tatum who are just starting out with their own shoes and coming into the mix too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think it's in a great place. Obviously, you know, Steph, LeBron and KD are icons and, you know, they're 10 plus models each and all that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, as those guys continue to age, I think we're in a really good spot with with who's up next and, and how exciting those guys are to watch. That, you know, I, I mean, perfect, like, there it just like being on the watch for that stuff and and seeing how brands adapt to each other is it does get you excited about basketball sneakers in the future you know um perfect example well, is i would like, say too like ant being mm-hmm. comfortable talking shit all the time like yeah. made adidas comfortable to take shots in their stuff in their commercials exactly which wasn't necessarily their approach right so it's like no you know usually brands don't want to poke the bear and all that but you know, mm-hmm. I loved the spot they had. I, I I was able to tweet it out, which was funny enough because it was it kind of blew up. But like him looking through the duffel bag, tossing through the bag, tossing everybody's shoes away, yeah. and he's like, "These are the ones." I was like, "That's that's the fun you want to have with it." So when he pulled out the mellows, he was like, "Oh, these are these are one of ones." He's like, "These ain't the ones though." Yeah. And then, and then well, he goes into the. I will, I will tell you, I was at the Adidas <laughs> office like uh-huh. two weeks before that dropped. I was like, yo, you got to drop. They had three versions. They had one that like he says the shoe names and it shows the shoe. Mm-hmm. And then the one they put out, I'm sure their legal team was on everybody's head. So like, I don't. Yeah, for real. I think <laughs> if I recall the one that they put out. He, the shoes are blurred out. But yeah, the, sh- the logos are all like chopped. Yeah, out. Yeah, so everything's blurred. They're like you rubbed could, out. You could yeah. kind of you could pretty much still tell what's what. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, it's like that to me is what makes it fun. Like I like when people are taking shots. I like when people are you know, confident what they bring to the table. And, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, the, the whole league is about competing and the shoe industry is no different, you know. So if you, if you think you're at that level and you're trying to, you know, knock down the guy in front of you, then let's have some fun with it. 
Yo, for real. Uh, look, I want to definitely talk about your time at Soul Collector because that's where yeah, yeah. I got to learn who you were. And like, what? But before that, like, did you go to school for journalism, or did you just like, like, what was your career path? I was into just telling a friend a couple nights ago because uh, one of my buddies was like, he just didn't. I, I was meeting a mutual friend. He just didn't get it. He was like, "What do you mean you write about shoes?" And I was like, I know it sounds ridiculous and it's probably exactly as ridiculous as it sounds, but I really did like take all the small steps along the way. So like, even before I even thought about schooling, like my mom was an English teacher. So that like, that was the foundation right there, right? Like she was just guiding me in elementary school, even without even me knowing it. And then um, when I was a, when I was in eighth grade, uh, going into eighth grade in middle school, that was the first issue of Kicks Magazine. Yeah, You know, I think Slam is now you know, Slam just turned 30 and they have, you know, 25 or whatever it is, 25 years of kicks coming out, you know, but mm-hmm. back then that was the first ever sneaker magazine. So that was kind of the light bulb. And, um, you know, I became like the sports editor of the school paper was in the journalism program. And, and Wait, how'd you get that? Did you just talk your way into that? one? Uh, <laughs> it was like a journalism class you could take in high school. Uh-huh. And then you got like, you got to like, uh, there's like a you had to like basically campaign for like what you how you see the sports section going and then the teacher would like I think there was like three of us you know it was a class of like 25 kids yeah there's like three of us fighting to be the sports editor and you know she ended up picking me but um but then you know that was already my sights were already set going to University of Oregon potentially um because it was funny enough in that first kicks issue they mentioned how Nike is in Oregon and how Tinker Hatfield went to University of Oregon and how that's where a lot of the Nike people went. So I'm thinking, like, I guess I should go there if that's where the pipeline, a lot you of, like, already a lot of people in the shoe industry, you know, went. I'm like, maybe yeah. I should go there. So, um, and I knew at that time, too, like, you got to think this is like 2003. So Oregon is getting known for like all the crazy uniforms already and just the design, mm-hmm. the design element of Oregon was amazing. So, um, and they had a really highly rated journalism program. So I was in the journalism program there. Um, we got to pick between one, there was like four different topics you could, you could focus on. It was like TV advertising at that time, newspaper. And then the fourth was magazine. So I did magazine. Um, and then I started writing at soul collector when I was 20. So wow. I was still, it was like between, I think it was like the summer between my sophomore and junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been bugging Steve Mulholland and Alex Wang, the two co-founders and, um, they finally liked one of my ideas after like five bad ideas and they let me write an article and I ended up being there for eight years. So it was amazing. Cause, um, you know, back then you got to think this was in this, I mean, shit, shit, it's been 20 years. So it was a while ago. I, you know, I am old, but I was going to say it makes me feel old, but no, I mean, I am old, but it was, uh, you know, it was basically nine years before Instagram even launched. Yeah. You know, when they, sure. when they started it, you know, so it was a, print magazine it was in Foot Locker four times a year sneaker boutiques around the world and a really good subscriber base and it became a great portal to tell the stories of the sneaker industry through you know the voices of the players but also the designers and that was one of the biggest things we tried to do was like you know go talk to Jason Petrie about the new LeBron shoe go talk to Leo Chang about the new KD shoe and you know I think some every player is different like some guys trust the designers and they just want the shoe to look cool and be comfortable. And that's kind of like their input. Um, Mm -hmm. But then there's other players that, you know, are given like they're texting stuff all the time. They want a certain Mm -hmm. color, a certain theme. They're super hands on. And so we really tried to highlight that side of it. Right. So it's like knowing how much Penny Hardaway was really involved at the time 
and how much mm-hmm. it, he was given. Like we were really trying to spotlight, like who are the people behind the scenes um, at the brands and then which are, who are the athletes that people might know of, but that they don't know are this involved. Those were kind of the two things we were always trying to highlight. Um, and then also just the everyday people that were just collectors. Like we were trying to spotlight, like who's really wearing cool stuff all the time mm-hmm. you know, and not just storing it in a box somewhere or just buying something because of the hype. Like I think the biggest thing I learned over the years and I'm the same way now, it's like, there's a lot of shoes worth a lot of money, but there's a lot of shoes that I think are, are just valuable to me just because of the story or the connection or the design. So you know, we were always trying to find that piece of it. Um, and I, I was pretty proud about our run. I mean, we had, you know, basically a 10 year run and before we sold the magazine to complex in 2013. So, um, you know, that was a great era. It was before it's crazy to think it was before Instagram long before. I mean, the, for, yeah, the forums were, yeah, we had a message board with the yeah, forums and the message I was on there, you know, like, yeah, we were was, doing was, different, was, uh, events around mm-hmm. the country and it was just a way to like, you know, that, I, I give a lot of credit to Steve, the founder, because he knew there was Nike talk in the Soul Collector message board where people were talking about shoes online all the time. But he was always trying to figure out, like, how can we do events that bring people together? So if you are a kid from Sacramento and a kid from the Bronx and then there's a kid from Idaho, all three of us could be hanging out in Las Vegas at some shoe event and realize we got a lot in common, you know. So it was a, yeah, it was a really cool uh, way to bring people together in that regard. What, so like, I don't know if this is like a butterfly effect or like no, a Mandela effect, uh, but I don't know if you, maybe you can confirm this. But there was at one point, and I feel like it was so collector that put it out. But there was a either a sneaker bar or a sneaker cafe in LA. Oh man. Soul bar. Soul bar. Yes. Yeah. It did exist. Oh yeah. Man, that <laughs> was actually, I could tell you, I'll tell you the real story. So, mm-hmm. so we launched it. Oh man, that was a long week. So we launched it July 7th of 2007. Mm-hmm. We had, we had the LeBron soldiers. That was the mm-hmm. first ever soul collector collab. We probably had about 10 collabs to that point. That was the yeah. First. I have a question about one. Yeah, yeah. But that yeah, was yeah, the yeah. first one that had the logo on the actual shoe visible. Yeah. So the logo mm-hmm. they put on the side of the strap. Um, Braun had just come off of the 07 finals, which even if they got swept, it didn't matter. Like he had put himself on the map to a whole different level and had arrived. Mm-hmm. He he had already lived up to the hype, but like making the finals and carrying that cast team was like a big deal. So to get a soul. Oh yeah. I mean, if you carry in a Gauskas to the finals, no, you got I like it. Big Z, but you know, it's not a hall of famer necessarily. So, you know, it was like <laughs> that moment was big for him and to have, you know, basically a month and a half later or, or the very next month, you know, we had a collab of his, of the shoe he was wearing in the finals. So that, that was amazing. And then we had, um, we had a shoe called the and one onslaught. We had a case with mm-hmm. shoe. We had a Reebok shoe. We basically built the whole, it was me and like six people built the whole place in like four days beforehand. That's and crazy. We, we got, we got there Tuesday morning and from Tuesday morning until the doors opened on Saturday at noon, we were building the whole thing in the back. But, um, you know, we had a lot of other ideas for what that store was going to become. And Steve in particular mm-hmm. had, um, a really good relationship with Gentry and Jordan brand at the time. So we were going to get like a lot of different, I don't know if you remember, but they were doing like Eminem had some fours at the time. Mm-hmm. Undefeated. Un- yeah. Undefeated. Had the yeah. So there was like this whole notion of like artist collabs. Um, there was going to be a Justin Timberlake shoe. There was going to be a Will Smith shoe. Obviously they ended up getting shoes years down the road too, but 
the original idea for Soul Bar that's, that I'm not going to take any credit on that Steve had really secured and had had the vision on was Soul Bar had this front half, which was like a gallery space, which we were going to do mm-hmm. events at. Then there was a laser machine because laser was big at that time and you could laser, get shoes lasered. Mm-hmm. But then there was these like clear glass windows in the back where if you pressed a button, it would just smoke out. Mm-hmm. And we were going to host like crazy launches of all of those different like basically like the Will, cool. like the Will Smith Jordans and like all the different. Yeah. I think they were talking about like a Black Eyed Peas release. It was like whatever exclusive Jordans, you know, celebrity tied Jordans were going to happen. Uh-huh. Like we were in talks to basically launch those at that store. Um, and as things happen in the industry all the time, like people shift and move and, you know, Gentry I, I've, is one of the most, in my opinion, like, you know, visionary and, and revered industry execs, you know, in, in the history of footwear. Right. So, which I don't think is like a big thing to say, like he's, he's at that level. And at that time yeah. he was the director of footwear for Jordan brand and they gave him a big promotion to be the director of footwear globally. So now instead of the U S he's in charge of, you know, at that time you got to think they're, they're heading into the 2008 China Olympics they're trying to plan for more stuff in Europe. So he became in charge of all of the other priorities around the world, mm-hmm. but he no longer had the juice to say, Hey, your, your little store in LA, we're going to give you some heat. <laughs> so that's why the store didn't really go as planned. Cause we had, we had a whole other plan for it. And, uh, once we kind of realized like, ah, the Jordan thing isn't going to happen, then, yeah. you know, it, we didn't want to just be another consignment store, which obviously consignment mm-hmm. stores are really popular now, but, um, we wanted to have like fun events, experientials type stuff, things that bring people together, different like panel conversations with designers, like things like that. Rather, we didn't want to just be like a shoe store. Because um, mm-hmm. as a magazine, I remember like yeah, as a magazine, it wouldn't have made sense to try to be an actual boutique and compete against right, boutiques. Yeah. And we like we didn't want to try to take out undefeated or like I know they some of them were nervous about that at that time, but like that wasn't our idea. It was more so like we could do these one-off events that could be pretty crazy and have some, mm-hmm. some special edition drops, but not, not like an everyday shoe store, like everybody else, you know, we do. That's not what yeah. we do. I, I remember being like, yo, like, I want to go to LA just to go to this store so bad. And I was talking about it with all my friends, like, yo, in LA, they got this store, like that's <laughs> a bar. And I was just it was, like, yeah, I was very hyped. Never, never went out though. It was off of Hollywood by the one one and at the time it's funny because i drive by it all the time now when i'm down in la and like at the time the guy that owned the building was saying how it was like two years away from being a hot spot area and it never really became mm-hmm. that but you <laughs> <laughs> just trying to sell the space yeah, you know <laughs> 101 was like ridiculous and you know it took like certain pockets of the city to get out there was a hassle you know it'd take an hour to get there from santa monica or whatever but mm-hmm. but uh no nah, the uh, the idea was there. It just, it just wasn't like the timing. Didn't, if we had done that in like 2005 or six, mm-hmm. it would have been crazy for sure. But, uh, Oh yeah. Things were kind of shifting and, and, you know, Nike was going towards more performance stuff anyways. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that was unfortunately, you know, we, we were, we were really had a great relationship with and one and they had just got bought, you know, so they were kind of like going on the downturn and like, Mm-hmm. Reebok was all of a sudden out of basketball and Adidas didn't really have anything going. So, you know, Nike was so dominant at that time, but um, you can kind of see the writing on the wall. If you look at like 08, 09 mm-hmm. being a little bit of a dark period for 
for some of the other brands, you know, like even Converse had D Wade and they like got out of basketball and moved him to Jordan brand. So, you know, it went from like maybe six or seven brands doing some cool stuff in hoops to like just Nike and Jordan, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it was kind of a wild time. Yeah, for real. It, it, And then Nike decides to be like, all right, let's do the elite series and get back into this. Yeah, I mean, they full on. They never really took the gas off after the Hyperdunk launched. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we we opened the store in July of 07. I think we closed it, you know, right at the fall 08 stretch, Mm -hmm. right around the Olympic time. It was only open for a year, but um, it's funny because, you know, everybody has, of course, like some what ifs in their career or whatever you want to call it. And like that one in particular. Like, we were all joking. We were like, man, we might move to L.A. Like, we might, you know, <laughs> just have all kinds of exciting stuff to do down here. Yeah. You know, with different collabs and different launches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would have been a hub for different events all the time. So, yeah, just didn't. I mean, look, just didn't. Soul Collector still has, like, legendary collabs. Oh, yeah. You no, know, we had beyond that. We had the Flight Clubs yeah. the year after that. We had the mm-hmm. the Teal Max Trainers the year after that. And then. Um, My favorite is the. Uh, the new balance uh no wait no i'm confusing it is it the it, no wait you might soul collector didn't drop that think, i'm thinking about soul box no oh yeah i was gonna say to me yeah i gotta give a shout to matt halfhill because uh nice kicks had some fresh new balance stuff yeah and then and then sneaker freaker too i mean woody and that team has done amazing stuff i think that was always the fun thing for me it's like people would be like oh like i'm surprised you're not hating on the sneaker freaker shoe i'm like that's not a rivalry like i'm like yeah <laughs> like if some if they're doing great stories and have great issues like that's awesome for me because I'm, I'm excited to read about it you know so it was like mm-hmm. it was cool always meeting different people from different uh platforms and things like that and and you know matt and the guys at nice kicks because it was always about like if we all do great stuff then we're just gonna rise the tide of just the audience being aware of things and hopefully mm-hmm. you know people reading stuff can get a lot more in, you know knowledge about the industry and that's better for everybody involved, you know? So that's kind of how yeah. I always looked at it. It was never like, you know, we got to tear their hearts out and like, you know, as much as I was talking about the competitiveness of the NBA, like, yeah. the sneaker world is much different. Like and from, <laughs> from a media standpoint, like, you know. You should- yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's such a, a niche, uh, it's such a niche industry that you're going to be talking to the same people a lot. So too, you can't yeah. really. Yeah, we should. Yeah, I mean, you know. and I always joke like, you know, I don't know if my grandma thought I had a real job for a long time until she likes me on TV, but it's like for us to enjoy what we do and for this to be fun, like, you know, it's obviously a privilege to get to write about sneakers and basketball as a career. So, you know, we were always trying to be mindful of that and, and make sure that, you know, everybody was had their lane and you were having your fun within that. Um, and it was a, you know, at that, at that time in particular, it was awesome because it was just such a wild, wild West. Like mm-hmm. brands didn't really have any rules, you know, some of the designers like Jason Peach would be like, yo, I just got a new LeBron sample. Swing by and check it out. It'd be like, of course, you know, nowadays you got, <laughs> I'll be there right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a 20 minute drive, you know, nowadays, like, you know, you got, and I, 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 I six NDAs I before you get through the door. Joke. I'm on a, I'm on a lifetime NDA with everybody, but um, <laughs> you know, now it's like, you know, four badge clearances and a meeting invite and you got to meet in the designated area. And like, that's totally understandable why that security is what it is. But, just I'd just say that to say, like, you know, that late 2000s, early 2010s was just it was a fun and wild, wild west time. And it was all an open canvas so we could create really whatever we wanted to. And 
every magazine, every issue, we kind of approached it that way, you know, so it was, it was, no, yeah. I mean, you've got some legendary interviews, you know, you interviewed Kevin Garnett, Kobe, like, like it's you, you have touched and talked to a ton of people and have seen such legendary sneakers even before they're even out before they were becoming legendary. Well, that's, you know? that's probably the hardest part of actually this. Cause like there's stuff that like, I saw the ant shoe last January mm-hmm. and they dropped December 16th. So I'm going the whole year. Like, damn, I can't wait. I really can't wait for that shoe to come out. And it's just mm-hmm. like, by the time it does come out, it feels like a drag sometimes. And then there's other times where it's like, you get so excited seeing something. And then two months later, you're like, yo, what happened to that shoe you showed me last time? And they're like, oh, we scrapped it. You know, and they're just like, oh, man. Like, you know, like there was a Kyrie shoe in particular where like, I still think they should do it. Mm-hmm. I was like, that that to me is one of the coolest things I've seen in the last five years. But for whatever reason, like they're not going to make it. I'm talking. It's an onto shoe, actually, and I was like, "Man, oh, is it okay?" Yeah, I'm like, if they, I'm like, they you need to find. I always, I always would say the same thing. I'm like, you need to find a home for it. <laughs> yeah, even if like a concept car and you do 500 pairs, but like, mm-hmm. there's certain things that, um, you know, I've always been really impressed with this industry because there's certain, just certain levels of talent and imagination that people have that like, it, it's just crazy how people can think. Yeah. Where they can blank blank them. canvas and they can just yeah, I mean, draw up shoe, a shoe. It's crazy. You know, a lot of shoes are all the same basic shape. You know, mm-hmm. you know for the most part, and seeing where certain people like the guy Patrick Zempolich that did the AE ones. I mean, mm-hmm. certain elements, of course, like the toe tip. You could say, you know, the Yeezy, you know, Quantums have similar color blocking or whatever. But like the way that he designed that shoe is just like damn, like that's immediately like a striking like incredible design and and that's Mm -hmm. the part of it that all these years later is like every season there's new stuff to check out and hopefully it's still as exciting as it was you know when i started no yeah uh when was the last time you had to wait for sneakers then oh man that's a good one um (laughs) so i always laugh because uh people think i have like a green toggle on my sneakers app that i could just hit and (laughs) get every launch or something but I, really I mean, look, I, you not. definitely, you know, you get the, oh, you get I, the head nod on, on some I pairs. Joke. I got a, <laughs> I got to figure out what, was it the white? No, I got to, I got to go back and look for the sake of the story. It might've mm-hmm. been, there was a Jordan three that I bought for a buddy. And, uh, cause he just didn't know how he was like, I don't want to hassle with this. Can you get me these and in my head? I'm like, I could try, but it could be a, it could be an L for me too. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so of course that's the one time I win. So it was like a Jordan three from like 2018. And then before that, uh, I wanted the spirit on retros, which was mm-hmm. like 2016. I'm, I'm not kidding. Every single sneakers launch since I've not, I've not won. Like I've tried like. You know, all the, obviously all the, you know, all the Kobe launches. Yeah. Uh, certain Jordan ones, you know, certain Jordan fours. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I love Presto. So I remember trying for the off-white Presto, just laughing. Cause I'm like, that was a quick, <laughs> lo- a quick loss on that one. Well, yeah, that one was literally just, uh, what, Nike with the Twitter link? That, that was that yeah. era. Oh yeah, man, that was worse. They were like, good luck with this, you know, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that's where it's different. Cause you know, when I was in college, we were like camping on concrete for two and a half days. Mm-hmm. That wasn't fun either. So I always think like there's no perfect formula to launches. And if every shoe released, you know, all over the country in every store, 
people wouldn't want them the same way they do if it's as limited as a Travis Scott Jordan one or something. So yeah, you know, every shoe has its place. And, and I still think like, even though it's frustrating cause there's stuff that I really want that I just, you know, you can't track down at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you still, if, as a brand, you still got to have those crazy, like hyped up launches that people are going to have a hard time tracking down. And that's the point, you know, that's, that's what for, creates the for sure. Scare, scarcity tactics always yeah, win. Like, that'll always be the case. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm trying to think like, I mean, even, uh, it wasn't an inch. Well, no, it wasn't an inch shoe, but, uh, it might have been a crazy infinity I was trying to get. Mm-hmm. There's just like so much stuff all the time releasing. Where you just, like, <laughs> certain launches you don't think is even going to be hard. And then you get yeah. on there like, damn, this thing smoked out, you know? So <laughs> No, yeah. I went to go. I went to the Adidas store to get the crazy infinities. And I walk in and this is how weird this goes. It, I go in. I, I have them in my hand because they was a display pair. I go to the, the to the guy and I go, hey, do you have these in the 13 of a 13? And then he's like, oh, we have these? He didn't even know they were in the store. And I'm like, and then he goes, nah, we don't got we don't got a 13. I was like, cool, thanks, man. <laughs> Dude, like, did nobody want them? Did people want them? Because how is the one size that I want gone if nobody wants them? And he didn't even know they were in the store. <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, and that's, that's the fun of it because there's stuff that you missed out on. So like, you know, for me to miss out on some flight 95s as a kid, mm-hmm. like if they retro, I'm going to go to extreme lengths to try to get them, you know? So it's yeah. like, that's what builds the chase. And, and a lot of times, you know, you miss out on shoes as a kid and that creates the nostalgia down the road. And that's, that's a lot of what the retro industry is all about. So um, it's kind of crazy to think about like the different, you know, chapters of your life and how you're connected to certain shoes and certain launches, but like, for a lot of people that are really like really into this, like mm-hmm. that's, that's how it extends and continues. The have you ever got was there ever a moment that you were able to like bring a shoe that you had to somebody who you were interviewing? You were like, yo, look, you know, this is I'm about like I'm about it right now. You know, you get, can you sign this? <laughs> and well, I, I never asked for autographs, so, so uh-huh. not from the standpoint of autographs, but mm-hmm. uh, the first time at PJ, I had the green Tinker threes on. Mm. And I'll never forget because he was like, man, you walked in my own house shitting on me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he had those yet. But obviously he had some other stuff, you know, which mm-hmm. I never got close to having. But, you know, I, I still joke because to me, he's got not only the best collection of anybody I've ever seen, but he's also the most knowledgeable. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's one thing to to be able to buy a lot of stuff. And that's not I don't think what what makes him a great collector, but his, his knowledge of stuff. So the like, love for it when, when, yeah, you, like when the, you find somebody who has like the love for it, but, and also like wants to wear the shoe, it's, it's like, you just found like the Holy grail of like a sneer collector. Yeah. And like, that's where like, you know, we could talk about flight posit threes and mm-hmm. stimulus flights and, you know, obscure different flight models, zoom flights. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's as much a fan of that as he is, you know, how crazy his, you know, friends and family, Travis Scott collection is, or mm-hmm. all the college Jordan PEs he has. So, you know, that's, that's to me what makes it fun. But um, I'm trying to think like, I brought a, like when Dame was out here a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I get, I had a pair of original PDX carpet ones. Wow. Like a very like Colts shoe, especially mm-hmm. here, you know, in Portland in particular, cause that was, you know, the, the PDX carpet graphic on the shoe for the first time in, in like a literal, but fun way. And mm-hmm. so I gave him a pair of those and like, he was just lighting up, like he was hyped, you know? So stuff like that, where it's like, 
you know, sometimes players, you know, years down the road and they got so much stuff and access to so much and they're just such a big star. And it's like shoes I've, I've realized over the years is like a fun way. Cause you know, even like KD, like if he sees a KD three, he's like, Oh, that's the shoe for my first all-star game. Mm-hmm. He's a KD four. It's like, that's the first year I made the finals. And you know, they, they the, the shoes are such a like timestamp for a lot of the moments for guys too. So, um, you know, for me, it's been really fun. Cause you know, we were talking about the nineties and back then, even into the mid two thousands, like every shoe came out in four colors throughout the yeah. year and that was it. And now mm-hmm. you got 20 plus colors per season. The shoes are such a like canvas for expression and almost like a portal into the personality of the players with all the different storytelling, the themes to where mm-hmm. if you go fast forward five, 10 years and you pull up any one of those shoes, like any guy is going to be like, damn, like that's the certain theme that or you know, this is the aunt Pearl and this is the, yeah, I mean it's it's wild to think about because when you look through the when you think about like looking through East Bay magazines and how you were only able to get certain shoes in that person's team colorway, and then you'd have you know your True Flights or whatever your Zoom flights and all these like off other non signature models because yep. those are the ones that the schools were able to get in a in in their school colors, and then. You're just like, okay, these are what I'm relegated to. These are, do I really, am I really this diehard for Gary Payton? Do I need green and white shoes? Like, you know, you have to really think about it, you know? It's funny because I went to Oregon and my middle school colors were green. So, like, I always liked green, but then it's like, you know, Reggie Miller was like blue and yellow and they had like some shoes for him that were like, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not buying these. Like, the colors are kind of like tough, you know? And it's like, that's, that's a big part of like, to me, what made Penny and Jordan stuff so successful, mm-hmm. you know, like I always wonder, like if, if all the Barclays were like black, white and red growing up, like would those have been that much better even, you know, like mm-hmm. the orange and purple was unique, but like there was something always super tough about the black, white, red. Yeah, um, sure. You know, so it's, it's funny because Nike really did stick to the sun's colors just because of how traditional stuff was back then. Mm-hmm. It'd be funny to have known like, you know, how, how would Barkley have done if he was now, you know, and he had all the graphics and all the expressions and all the different options. I mean, he could. I don't understand why they don't just be like, yo, let's, let's put out, you know, some Barclays. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if Dennis Rodman is getting his second chance, I guess with, you know, with the, with the Supreme collab, you know, then, then maybe we can get yeah. some Barclays going. And that's another good. What if I was trying to do a nice kicks collab on uh, the shake and destruct. Mm-hmm. And we did like this all red with black, with the black flap cover and then the whole liner was the print from his hair from the finals. Oh, that's sick. That would be sick. They were, they were crazy, but, uh, you gave, you just gave me an idea. Give me that, but like inside or like, give me a black and white, but like Hayes style, like, you know, like the graphic, the graffiti artist Hayes, you do with that. But then in the inside, it's, it's, uh, Dennis Rodman with the NWO shirt on. (laughs) Yeah. That would be sick. <laughs> do, yeah, not, do not steal this. <laughs> Nobody steal my well, idea. Unfortunately, Nike just didn't have any contractual relation with Dennis, so they couldn't mm-hmm. do anything like too direct. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the problem there. But, you know, um, oh, damn, somebody from the Pistons just punched a guy from the Suns during pregame warm-ups. That's intense. Whoa. Um, <laughs> they really don't want to win out there. Damn, all right. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what he said, but uh, – it was the guy Isaiah Stewart that had chased after LeBron. So, oh yeah, of course, man. He, 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 he's he wild. Cool. 
but uh you know i think that's where it's fun to sort of look back at those two at those 90s signatures and wonder like what what would they have been like if they were being released today like mm-hmm. you know and it's, I mean, part of it look, is like you the opposite like the penny phone posit is iconic because it only was in one color yeah it's true you know? so it's like i think there i think it's a gift and a curse in some ways but um you know, it's cool until I mean, I I definitely think that once they dropped that eggplant color, it did also went crazy. I know I'm excited for those. I want to say they retro February 28th or whatever it is. End of yeah. this month. I don't have I I the price went up on it too. I think it's like two fifty or something like that, right? Three hundred, two thirty, two forty. I don't know if I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I never well being a size thirteen wearing them is like. I mean, I talk about it on here. You, if you put on the eggplants and you're a size 13, your feet look like literal eggplants. I love that shoe though. I'm, have to get there. <laughs> I'm excited for the foams they got coming. I think there's going to be some 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 surprises in store, but uh, mm-hmm. also like some real classics. Like from what I've seen so far, like the the you know the original dark neon royals and the mm-hmm. uh, galaxies are coming back out, right? Yeah, so actually, the galaxies and maybe the coppers, which are all like to me one of the you know that's some of the top five best colors so mm-hmm. um i'm excited to see all those come back and phone posits probably did need a window to uh get tucked away for a second and now you know it's i mean some- look they did they ran that thing into the ground remember we had thermal print we had weatherman we had uh, like pearls were coming back out like it was like I'd say it was 20 crazy. like 16 17 where you mm-hmm. just like you just lost track <laughs> it was like a and foam posit pro every month uh-huh they had it was just so much but you know foams are you know obviously not only a, a crazy design but also just like indestructible almost to where um people were getting you know it was people some a shoe people were excited to buy um you you were talking about the soul collector collabs earlier and like the mm-hmm. one to me that always stuck out was the penny pack we did mm. since, we are talk, since we are talking foams yeah. i'm gonna show you this. so this was a Ooh. this was a sample of the penny pack uh foams that were in the the vegas pack this one doesn't doesn't yet have the final like copper tongue uh, logo but and Mm -hmm. doesn't have that on the heel Mm -hmm. but we were gonna do like a matte black i'm sorry a a gloss black and then uh gentry was thinking and we switched it to like a matte black on Mm -hmm. the pack version but uh definitely those are dope my favorite collab is the is the soul collector gary payton gloves those oh, are close. That yeah. was a good one, man. That that that's was my my initial question in the beginning because it's funny. I thought like uh, the progression was like, you know, you got the, the the air thrill flights. You know, that's Gary one of Gary Payne's pre signature shoes. Yeah, yeah. Like now we're gonna get to when I finally get a chance to work on a shoe, I'm gonna get the gloves. <laughs> you know, and that's a great example too because, um, you know, the original we did four different colorways for that shoe. Mm-hmm none of which is the one you know <laughs> and the original idea was because because when gp was wearing the glove mm-hmm. it was when the team had gone to the green green and red jerseys yeah it was not the classic like green yellow mm-hmm. so so i had mocked up like all dark green and then it had like the brick red accents and the toe tip was white i got the mock-up somewhere and then um we kind of everybody in the office took a crack so like zach schlemmer did a really fresh like more like black and green and yellow sonics colorway uh lewis sanchez did a fresh one and then brennan williams like we were all the dudes in the office at the time just each Mm kind of spinning one up and we like sent it to nike 
and they put it all in front of GP. And like right away, he was like, no brick. He was like, no brick red. Like <laughs> he was classic Sonics colors only. And we were all kind of like, all right. Like we wanted to tie back to like the actual uniform that he wore the gloves in, but he uh-huh. wanted, he went and GP, obviously the Sonics at that time, this was 2013. So they had been about, you know, not quite five years removed from moving to OKC. Yeah. And he was, he's always only ever been about like, I want to do the classic, what he considers the classic, just green and yellow Sonics. So that's why we kind of shifted it to that green and yellow. And then uh, Gentry had the idea because they were doing a lot of graphics on the, like the Galaxy phone posit had just happened. Mm-hmm. The fighter jet phone posit had already been sampled. So they were starting to do more graphics on other stuff. And he thought doing just the team colors would be kind of boring. So that's why he he's the one that added the Sonic Wave print. Oh, which is like that black wave. Graphic. Yeah, I love that. I, that's yeah. like what really took it to the over the edge for me. All right. I'm glad you said that because at the time I was fighting him. I didn't want to do it because <laughs> I wanted just the clean green color. Mm-hmm. And he was just and and Gentry has a great uh, read on stuff. But he was just like, nah, trust me. Like he was like, it's going to add to it. And it's the mm-hmm. sonic wave. He was like, so it's part of the story. It's like, you know, ties back to the sonic. So so it was a cool because the graphic, like if you look really closely, like it is a really detailed like wave pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on that shoe in particular, we had like the GP and the 20 embroidery on the sides, which only he had on his original PEs. Mm-hmm. Like that was one thing with the collabs we always did was we tried to find like, what was the pieces that the players really only had originally, mm-hmm. or what was like a touch that might be unique to uh, the story that, that people might not be thinking of. Um, so like the two, the two that I probably would think of that come to mind is like, doing that embroidery on the side was like really detailed. Like if you, you had to know to catch that. Yeah. And the, the one that I probably am most proud of over the years is like, I don't know if you ever seen the, uh, the Rashid air force ones. Of course. So like I was telling everybody, I said, you should, you should embroider Roscoe under the strap. Mm. But I said, only if you flip it and put it down reverse. Uh huh. Because if you like, if because some originally on one of the samples, they were going to embroider it to be on the front of the strap. And I'm like, well, that's not how she wears it. Like, you would never see it that way if, if he was actually wearing them. So, if you find like the, I think it's like Nick's colors, and then they did a couple other ones. But if you find yeah. like Sheed Forces that are like the 2013 14 era ones, mm-hmm. um, you will only see the Roscoe part if you actually wear them how he wears them. Wow. Um, that was like his friends and family nickname. So it was like, you know, stuff like that where it's like, you know, we were doing a lot of collabs with Nike at that time along with some other brands. But on all the Nike stuff, we were trying to find like the real Easter eggs of like, you got to really be into this to know, you know, what, what yeah, exactly. I, I did. I remember trying to get these Air Forces, by the way. That was an L for me. <laughs> and I want to say he was on the Knicks that year and then they yeah. had a, it's closed now, but they had the 21 Mercer store. Mm-hmm. So some of that stuff was really limited, but that but, place, uh, that place hated me. So <laughs> <laughs> speaking of L's, that's a tough one. Yeah. I know people had a hard time buying anything there. It was tough, but no, I think that's like, when you think about doing collabs, it's like, you know, a lot of stuff is going to come and go. Mm-hmm. But if you have like the next level of, of, and the next layer of like details and thoughtful touches and, you know, beyond just simple colors, like that's yeah. what takes that stuff to the next level to where if it's 500 pairs or 5,000, like the, a lot of the stuff we did was only a hundred pairs. 
-hmm. sometimes 500 pairs. And then the gloves in particular is 5,000 pairs. Mm -hmm. Like anybody that got one of those shoes, like I always felt like they're going to really cherish them and, you know, think they're really special and appreciate the detail um, or resell them and make three times on, you know, on eBay, but because uh, everybody else wanted them too. But, but, you know, it's like, that's, that's at least that's, the whole, that's part of the, part of the business, I guess, or the culture, like, you, know, you know, we were, we were never mad seeing something go for three or five times, whatever it was going for on eBay, you know, like that, mm -hmm. that obviously speaks to the excitement level around the shoe. So um, that's, that's part of anything when you have like collectibles, but um you know, unless we like literally hand gave a shoe to somebody and they flipped them the day after, like, otherwise it wasn't, you know, we didn't really look at that as a bad thing, but the collapse, nah, piece, yeah. that was probably, I mean, as much fun as it was to do the actual magazine and, and host some of those events, obviously getting to design some of the collabs was, mm -hmm. was, uh, was one of the most fun things I got to work on. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully sometime soon I could be telling you about, uh, some other collabs I've been, I've been working on again. So we'll see. I want to, I want to hear that. Um, <laughs> So I now it's towards the end of the podcast, I do want to ask one last question for, with, for you. Um, yep. So I want you to, to deal with a little bit of visualization. I want you to think about that time when you were young Nick about to open the box of the Air Thrill flights. And now you're you, this age you, going back in time behind yourself. What would you tell your younger self as he opens that box? Oh, man, I remember putting them on in JCPenney and walking out in them. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, these are my new shoes you know? yeah. just, um, and I wore those literally like every day for like a year and a half straight like the whole bottom had like worn through to the foam mm -hmm. like I, I wore the heel out to where you could see the airbag like it was like if my mom said I got one shoe for the year like that's the one shoe for that's the, the year that's the one shoe <laughs> yeah so I was maxing out on those but uh, no nah, I mean obviously to go from you know, and my, I always joke because my mom hates when I tell that story. She's like, you act like I was so mean about our budget. It's like, no, like, it was about it was about the lesson of like valuing what you got. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like I would say that's the biggest thing. It's like to be able to have, you know, a couple Zoom flight 95s, a couple hyper flights around here. Um, you know, obviously, hopefully it means that I I did something right along the way career wise and worked, worked hard a little bit here and there to be able to, you know, enjoy enjoy the shoes I have. And then. Part of it too is just like you know I'm I'm 38 now and I, I I like to think I still have the same excitement level seeing you know players debut new shoes or seeing people mm -hmm. talk about it online um, just as I did back then you know I think back then it was like you'd see something at the mall or on East Bay for the first time you talk to your friends at school the next day yeah and like you run stuff. you run the next day you like yo yo yeah. my man did you see him. Did you see it, you know, and, and then it was like, you know, on Nike Talk, seeing something leak and you're checking all the messages mm -hmm. and it became, you know, the magazines and then it was Instagram and now it's just, you know, group, group chats and everywhere. But, but I think, uh, that part of it has never really faded, which has been cool to see. Cause, uh, like I was wearing the black and white ants yesterday and some air more up tempos the other day. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm still breaking out just crazy stuff all the time, just out of the fun of it. So. I'm very excited for those. You know, you're making me very well more excited about the iridescent ones that are coming out. I want those iridescent joints. All star, the iridescent mm -hmm. all stars, and then uh, it's probably the most excited I've been the last couple of years when I got a pair of the black and white ants that showed up last week randomly. Mm -hmm. And I, I should have said that too when you were asked about the sneakers app. Like, 
there's shoes I want to buy that I miss out on all the time. And some I'll, I'll you know, I'll pay extra to get them or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then there's also stuff that shows up at the house. So I'm not, I'm not complaining out here for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, when those, when those black and white ants showed up, I was like looking at, I was like, this is a amazing. This, I call them the stormtroopers because they look. Yeah, I mean, that's the yeah. thing that's been picking up, you know. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think they're calling them the best of Audi, which I don't love that. You know, that nickname is not that great. But I mean, you're not gonna get Disney to be like, all right, we're cool with you calling this shoe the yeah, stormtrooper. So. <laughs> you know it's like i was i forget uh i was joking about him i was like you should call him these the ones you know, that was what he was calling him in the in the uh, video you know so I was yeah like, i just think like that not only that shoe but that color in particular and then you were talking about the all-star one like you know i, I posted the vi- i don't know if you've seen the video of the shoe like rotating around yeah because in the photos it kind of just looks black and burgundy Mm-hmm. when you see that shoe in person or you see like in the videos where it's really rotating like the it's almost like a chameleon paint like you know yeah almost iridescent like it's a little like the original flight posit just mm-hmm. how it goes from like that that green chrome to like that burgundy that like red. burgundy yeah, yeah it's, it's an awesome shoe i mean one of my favorite kobe's are the iridescent kobe uh sixes i think there are i think oh, they're yeah. sixes Oh, one of my absolute favorites. So I think that's where like, you know, Adidas has really just in the last couple of years with you look at like Harden seven, mm-hmm. Harden eight now, Ant one, like I think people will be really surprised and impressed with the Dame nines that are coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've, they've got some stuff that's coming that it's going to really start to like, you know, I don't want to say reestablish because they, you know, they've been around for a long time, but. You know, they needed to bounce back a little bit in terms of their signatures, I would say. Yeah. I think, that's, I think anybody, you know, that's fair for anybody to say. So for them to have, you know, a couple of the shoes that are some of the more, uh, I mean, on the hardened side, probably polarizing and on the mm-hmm. ant side, like undeniable. Mm-hmm. I think that's where, you know, they're having a real impact and a real momentum that is exciting for me to see because everybody's kind of, you know, looking over the shoulder now and realizing like, you know, LaMelo had his thing going and that's still going great. And uh, New Balance is making some noise too. And mm-hmm. you know, Steph had his his window and is still cooking. And now you got Adidas back in the mix here. So, um, and then I think around the corner, we got Reebok coming back. So, yeah, I agree. That's what I was saying earlier, like I, to me, it's a really exciting time. Um, I, I mean, just, even, even, a, even a perfect example is them dropping the preseason, the Emma Smiths. Yeah. And they actually made made like a splash. I was like, okay, all right. Well, and, and in a lot of ways, I think Reebok, when you look at the 90s, they have the second best archive, in my opinion, mm-hmm. behind, behind Nike, of course, you know. So, you know, there's a lot of great feet you wear stuff. But when you start to think about like Shaq and Kemp and Iverson and, and then on the baseball side, you know, Big Hurt and then even mm-hmm. you know, on the football side, it's like, man, Reebok had some amazing stuff, so. Um, and then Pump Fury and just that whole DMX chapter for them after that. So I'm excited to see, uh, you know, I would say from the sounds of it, it sounds like like All-Star of 25 is going to be sort of the new start for mm-hmm. it's like Shaq president era of Reebok. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're going to really, you know, do some fun stuff with it and 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 make their mark out the gate. I, I can't wait to see what they come with because um, now that they're outside of the Adidas umbrella, they're going to, you know, be on their own. And, and that's, that's for the betterment of everybody. So um, to me, it's a really exciting time for the industry and something I'm looking forward to seeing unfold. Yeah, me too. Yo, 
Nick, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. You know, uh, you're doing great work with Boardroom right now. So hopefully everybody checks it out, you know, and uh, shout out to Gabe. That's the homie, Gabe uh, from Boardroom. (laughs) We're connected, man. We're actually actually connected, man. I'll I'll hit you when I'm out in New York next for sure. Yo, that would be dope. Um, And then uh, uh, for everybody out there, you know what we say each week, wear your kicks. Peace.